God's children have been unashamed to proclaim the name of Jesus. Because though we may die, we know that this life is only part of the story. This life is not all that there is, that there is an eternal hereafter that awaits us. And I'm here to tell you, we don't just believe in Jesus to secure the eternal life. We actually believe in Jesus because we want the abundant life in the here and now. Death is mysterious, perhaps even frightening for some, but for everyone, it is a certainty. It should be a huge measure of comfort that when you're in the family of God, you're in His hands. No one can snatch you out of them. Today, Pastor Daniel will take us through Ecclesiastes 9, which is rife with help for the difficult parts of living with the burden of humanity, and also full of hope. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, verse 1, with part one of his message entitled, We Are the World. Jesus is real. How many of you were enjoying music in 1985? Anybody? Yeah. No, I'm not going to talk about the Go-Go's or George Michael or any of those. But there was a song that came out called We Are The World. Do you remember that song? Do you know what? I didn't know this. I was actually doing some research on the song. It was actually written by Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie. Every time I think of Lionel Richie, I just think of, hello, is it me? It's great. Yeah, Lionel Richie. The reason I bring up the song We Are The World is because That song, it actually came on the heels of another song called Do They Know It's Christmas, which was written by a number of musicians in the United Kingdom. This was at the time when we all realized that people were starving in Africa. It's like because of the advances of technology, how many of you can still remember the first time you saw a starving child in Ethiopia on a video screen? I remember that. I was... was, 10, 11 years old, and I remember seeing this young child, all bones, with a, with a bloated stomach, and just thinking to myself, I can't, how is this possible? And some musicians, whether they be in the, in the United Kingdom, wrote the song, Do They Know It's Christmas, about Christmas, saying there's people who don't even realize what a special time of the year Christmas was, and then they wrote, We Are the World, and that song, We Are the World, actually raised over $60 million for relief for the hungry people in Africa. And now, some 30 years later, the amount of work that the world does and churches do in Africa is astounding. It's profound. The reason I bring the song up and the concept up is because we began to realize that if someone is starving across the world, that in a way we're starving as well. That's what precipitated this. That humanity as a whole, if one of us is struggling, in a sense, we're all struggling. And that reality is absolutely displayed for us in the scriptures. 
that our lives are not just about ourselves and our own struggles, but we are part of something greater. We are part of this thing called humanity. And every single living soul in every corner of the earth that the Lord created is created in the image and likeness of God. Everyone, not just a select nationality or socioeconomic status. We are actually all one in the Lord. Not only are we created in the image and likeness of God, but each one of us are fatally flawed and in need of a Savior. And that is why the Bible tells us that Jesus will return when every tribe, nation, and tongue hears. Because the gospel's for everyone. So I've entitled this message today, We Are the World, and you'll see why. So open up in your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9. Ecclesiastes, chapter 9. The book of Ecclesiastes, it's in the Old Testament, as we call it, that first two-thirds of your Bible. It's right after the book of Psalms and Proverbs. The book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, as we continue and start drawing down to a close this You Only Live Once, this YOLO series. Now, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, I'm just going to jump in and you're going to see how this idea of we are the world, that we are all one, that we all have the same issues and struggles no matter where we live, runs all the way through this great chapter. So look at it, Ecclesiastes chapter 9. For I considered all this in my heart so that I could declare it all, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. People know neither love nor hatred by anything they see before them. All things come alike to all. One event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good, the clean, and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and to him who does not sacrifice. As is the good, so is the sinner. He who takes an oath as he who fears an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that one thing happens to all. Truly, the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil. Madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the dead. But for him who is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love, their hatred, and their envy have now perished. Nevermore will they have a share in anything done under the sun. Now, this first section in Ecclesiastes 9 teaches us that we have solidarity with everyone. We have solidarity with everyone. And that word solidarity, what it means is we have commonality. We are like everyone. Now, you're going to see in these verses, as I read them, you realize that it keeps saying these things happen to all. It happens to all. This happens to all. So over and over again, we find this reality that whether you choose to do good or you choose to do evil, there is actually the same reality, and that reality is what? Is death. What he's saying here is that if you choose to do good 
or you choose to do evil, death is an inevitable curse of life. How many of you have heard the saying, there's only two things that are constant in this world? What? Death and taxes. I wonder if taxes are actually worse than death. Man. It's true though, isn't it? Part of the meaninglessness, the absurdity, the vanity of this life is that death happens to everybody. And you, you know the theme of this book is that kind of apathy or that angst against life under the sun when you're saying, look, if someone does good or if someone does evil, they both die in the end. And then the normal response would be, well then, if death comes to everyone, then why just be bad? Why not just be bad? Why struggle to live like Jesus would? Why? And we're going to see that as we go. But notice what it says. In verse 1, he considered everything in his heart. He wants to declare it all that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. Now, notice that. That's the first reason why, although we have solidarity with all of humanity, death happens to everyone. The person who's wise and the person who's righteous, they're in whose hands? God's hands. And that's important, isn't it? Because humanity as the crowning jewel of God's creation, created in his image and likeness, in the image and likeness of God, God gives us the opportunity to say, I'm either going to choose to follow God or I'm not. But when you choose to follow him, you are in his hand. And what did Jesus say about the hands of God? No one can snatch you out of his hands. And that's powerful. So one of the reasons we do wisely and we do righteously is because we are in the palm of God's hand and nobody can remove us, no matter what happens. The Apostle Paul, the end of Romans 8, for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor life or death nor any created thing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So brother, sister, yes, death happens, but you want to be in the palm of the hand of God. It's where the protection is. That's where the joy is. That is where true security is. Notice verse 2. All things come alike to all. See, that's why we have solidarity. One event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good, the clean, and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As is the good, so is the sinner. He who takes an oath as he who fears an oath. He's saying, look, death happens no matter what you choose. Death is a part of it. But you and I know, and the writer of Ecclesiastes hadn't seen it fulfilled yet, that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, though you may die, what did Jesus say? You will live again. That's what he said. Though you may die, you will live again. And that is why for thousands of years, God's children have been unashamed to proclaim the name of Jesus. Because though we may die, we know that this life is only part of the story. This life is not all that there is, that there is an eternal hereafter that awaits us. And I'm here to tell you, we don't just believe in Jesus to secure the eternal life. We actually believe in Jesus 
because we want the abundant life in the here and now. And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you don't give up this life for the next life. You give up your take on this life. And you get the abundant life, which is the life that you really want. The life that really fulfills who you are, where it's not all about you and your toys and your issues and all that. But you say, no, no, Lord, I want your life imparted to me in Jesus. And as God imparts his life in us and through us, now all of a sudden life is totally different. Yeah, maybe you had less than you had before, but you have more because you're living a life that is truly fulfilling. It's not easy. But listen, life outside of Jesus isn't easy either, is it? A lot of us learn that along the way. You have life. You're doing everything you want to do, but it just, it's a drag. It's not fulfilling. It doesn't sustain you. So we follow Jesus because Jesus conquers death and gives us a true life in Christ. And I believe there's many. Some of you here, some of you guys watching online in the chapel right now, you are living life and it's a hard life. But the problem with your life is you don't have the abundant life because you're living your own life. Not the life that God created you for. And if that's you and you've never put your faith and trust, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do it by the end of the service. Just to say, you know what? My approach to my own life is just not working. And I know it. I don't need to do a study on it. I know this is not satisfying. And the beauty is, is God's work and God's life begins in your life when you come to that reality. When you say, the life I'm living It's not fulfilling me. It's not abundant. When we come to that realization, then God says, all right, now it's game time. Let's do this. And God gives you a life that you would never have dreamed of. Jesus invites you now to say, hey, come change the world with me. Come on, let's go do this. And that's the difference. Now notice what happens in Verse 3, it says, This is an evil and all that is done under the sun, that one thing happens to all. Truly the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil. Madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the dead. Now that's a pretty depressing verse, isn't it? Anybody, anybody like that verse? And it was like, yeah. Even though it's depressing, it's still true. Notice first, this is why we have solidarity with with all of humanity. Notice what it says first in this verse. It says, truly the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil. Now, when it says sons of men in the Bible, it always means sons and daughters of men. In the Bible times, they weren't as concerned with um, making sure we speak with perfect gender equality as we are now. But if it was written today, it would say the sons and daughters of men. Because God realized that we all struggle with some of that stuff. Now, everyone here can admit that you are the child of a father. Even you may not have known him, but your father added to your life, right? You can't be here without the thing God gave to men to create life. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just listen to our Wednesday study. We're going through Leviticus. Lots of birds and the bees talks going on there. We're all children of a human father, whether or not they were good or there. That's a whole other discussion. But we've all received that part of our DNA from a human father. And because of that, it tells us very specifically that our hearts are full of evil. Madness is in our hearts while we live. And after that, we go to the dead. This reminds the Apostle Paul picks this up in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. 
for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is the Bible's take on humanity, although glorious, totally jacked up, fatally flawed. That in our hearts, apart from the grace of God, there is evil, there is madness, and there is wickedness. And listen, if you spend any time discerning your own thoughts, you realize that's what's in there. Not all the time and not completely heinously, but someone cuts you off and you think about what you would do to them. Some of you actually do those things. You chase them down, you, you ride their bumper and you flash your lights and you beep your horn as if that does anything except make you look crazy. Right? Or some of you are like, oh, you peel out to the right lane, you go past them and you cut them off. Yeah. Getting them, does it feel good? It doesn't, right? See, our hearts are given that way. Someone says something on Facebook and you're like, mm. you just want to give them the business. Some of you give them the business. Some of you just want to and you've been restrained enough that you hold off. There's so much madness in our hearts. See, madness is not having a grasp on reality. And listen, there is no having a grasp on reality without belief in the true and living God who is reality. So in the heart of humanity, there's evil and there's madness for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then you die. That's what it says. But notice, there's a turn here in verse 6 or verse 4, excuse me. That's what it says. But for him who is joined to all the living, there is hope for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. And they have no more reward for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love, their hatred, and their envy have now perished. Nevermore will they have a share in anything done under the sun. Now this is interesting. Because what he says here is that although death is inevitable, while you're alive, there is hope. There is hope. And he uses this great example that a, a dog, a living dog, is better than a dead lion. What he's saying is that you could be the king of the jungle, but it's better to be alive and just be a straggly mutt. It's better to be alive because there's hope than to be the king of the jungle and be dead. And that is true because what he's saying here is that life cannot be enjoyed in retrospect. And this is important because this is a running theme, isn't it, in the book of Ecclesiastes? That you can't enjoy your life after it's over. You have one shot under the sun to grab hold of your life and embrace your life and enjoy it because after it's over, all your love, all your hate, it's all gone. Yeah, people may have remembrances of it, but your own opportunity to enjoy your life, you can't get back. So all over and over again, we see we're exhorted to this, to embrace life. And we're going to see that in just a moment. See, all of this reminds us that in all of humanity, death is real. It's real, but so is hope. I wrote a little blog on Facebook this week, Always Choose Hope. It's beautiful. That, that line was given to me by John, who's on our staff. He's been on our staff for a long time in our building services department. The circumstance of John's life has been challenging of late. But he says, oh, Pastor Daniel, I always choose hope. Blew my mind. Stuff that had gone on. And he said, but Pastor, I always choose hope. And I'm like, oh, yeah. That's biblical right there. I always choose hope. Because God is hope. He is our help. Now, look at what happens in verse 7. Because it goes on. Look what it says. Go eat your bread with joy 
and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already accepted your works. Let your garments always be white, and let your head lack no oil. Verse 9, live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life, which he has given you under the sun all the days of vanity, for that is your portion in life. And in the labor which you perform under the sun, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. So now, because we have solidarity with all of humanity, we all know the effects and the curse of death. Then he reminds us that we should live life with passion. We need to live life with passion. And you notice in all these verses, it keeps coming back to this reality. Enjoy your life. Live your life with some passion. Be excited and embrace what God has put in front of you. Notice, go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart for God has already accepted your works. Let your garments always be white and let your head lack no oil. See, all of these are Signs of enjoyment. And we've seen this refrain over and over again in the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 2, 24, 3, 12, and 13, 5, 18, and 20, 8, 15. We've been seeing it all over again. He's looking under the sun. He's saying, it's all vanity. He comes back, just eat, drink, and be merry. Enjoy your life. Live your life with passion. Have fun. It's okay to embrace and enjoy your life. And here he says, listen, Eat your bread with joy. Now, bread in the Hebrew language is symbolic of all food. So you might be uh, carb-free. You may be gluten intolerant. You may have some sort of third-world dietary problem. And I say third-world because if you go other places, no one's worried about what they're eating. They're just happy to be eaten. But I know some of you got some stuff, and it's real. I'm not knocking it. It's real. When it says, eat your bread with joy, it says, eat your food with joy. That's what it means. Not only should you eat your food with joy, it says, and drink your wine with a merry heart. Now, that does not mean that you should go get drunk. That's the way we translate it in 21st century America. Oh, drink your wine with a merry heart. Let's go get it on. You know, some of you guys go out and you buy your Mad Dog 2020 and your Boons, that all cheap, nasty wine. Ugh. I, I have, have very strong heart responses to those things of bad experiences I had before my time in Jesus. Just the thought of it makes me feel like a little bit lightheaded. Wine was your staple beverage there. That culture, much like European cultures, Italian culture, I grew up in a family where there was a carafe of wine on every single dinner table. I never saw anyone get drunk. It was just, that was what they, it's like, you have pasta, you had a glass of wine with it. You know, now I realize many people struggle with alcohol, so it's not a, it's not saying you should drink alcohol. It's saying that in your normal eating, whether you're eating bread or you're drinking wine, you should do it with joy. Enjoy the life that God has given. When you sit down to have a meal, you should have joy that you have food to eat and maybe people to eat it with, or you're going to go see people or whatever. There's a reason for joy. Not only that, it says, for God has already accepted your works. You notice that? Jesus is real. I want to thank you so much for listening to Jesus at Israel Radio. It's exciting to me that you would take the time to listen to this. It is my distinct hope that each one of us would simply respond to Jesus. That's a big idea. 
for me, for Crossroads Community Church, and for Jesus' Real Radio, that each one of us would meet with Jesus, what I like to say, at street level, because Jesus is right where you are. He is right there in the middle of your situation and in the middle of your circumstances. Jesus is right there, and Jesus wants each one of us to learn how to simply respond to him. What that means is that at every moment, Jesus prompts us and we take that step. And it's my hope for you as you're listening to this program that you would find yourself each day simply responding to Jesus more and more. You'll become more loving, more kind, more gracious, more generous, not just financially, but in every single area of your life. You'd find yourself desiring to serve others and not just hoping that everyone is there to serve you. When we simply respond to Jesus, we become closer and closer and closer to who God created us to be. And so we say that Jesus is real, and he is, and he exists right where you are, and he is inviting you to partner with him in recreating the world. So Jesus wants to change the world, and he is looking for available people, people like you and like me. So please, as you listen, simply respond to Jesus and engage yourself in the work of God's kingdom in your community and in your world. God bless you so much.